As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma, and we are here to talk all things Cubs. Uh, the, what, third series against the Brewers this weekend, the Cubs uh, hosted, and they dropped it again. So they, they it was a series loss each of the three times against the Brewers, two out of three games. Uh, I think there was probably a swing game in each of those series. Um so I just I kind of wanted to start with that because it's like it, it on the one hand you got three series early in the year Cubs and Brewers and the Brewers have won all three so you you'd say oh clearly they're the better team but you always do have to keep in mind it's like in these series when you have three games two of which go clearly in one direction and then you got a coin flip game it's like eh I mean it's baseball sometimes that flip is going to go against you even maybe three times in a row so I guess the the big picture question. And we'll keep it focused on Cubs Brewers because that's where we're just departing. Is do you feel like these three early season series provided you enough information about these two teams to say, oh, well, clearly uh, the Brewers are the better team and the Cubs are going to have to sort of fundamentally perform differently to be the better team? Or did you walk away feeling like, ah, you know, they're, they're close? Uh, I mean, I initially have come away with, I think. We're starting to see uh, a more closely resembling Cubs team that I expected, right? This That extreme offensive struggle that we saw the first, whatever, two and a half weeks, I think uh, kind of was jarring for all of us, right? And, and it, it put us all in a very sour mood for, for the team going forward. And it was very easy to dismiss them. I think they're... This team that we've seen more recently that can have these types of out- offensive outbursts, um, but then I think what I'm learning about the Brewers is they have two very formidable p- starting pitchers that can easily shut down any offense. So, well, I think I think it's a good little takeaway series this this past weekend where uh, it reminds us that hey, a guy like 
Brandon Woodruff is starting to emerge as a potential. You know, I, I think it's hard to to jump into that ace category, but he's he's close. He's getting there, and and he's going to shut down any offense. It doesn't matter how well you're doing, and the Cubs are just an offense that he's going to shut down more often than not. I believe, and and I think that that Saturday uh, game is is just kind of representative of baseball in general, right? Uh, you know, two decent teams playing each other, and it could have gone either way. A locked-in reliever has a terrible outing. Uh, uh, you know, it just it just didn't go the Cubs' way. I, I didn't really take that as much as I like. I like, by the way, that was subtle. I don't know. If, I don't know if listeners picked up on the, the reliever. The reliever that Sahadi was talking about there is Rex Brothers, and he. I don't mean this on the Rex Brothers train. Yeah, I was like, I don't mean it in an unsavory way, but he does have an interest in framing that description as a locked-in reliever has just kind of one of these days, he can't find the strike zone, no big deal. Uh, Because I'm right there with you too, though, because I've been like, oh man, he's, he's looking really good. And then he had that outing and I'm like, I got to duck a little bit. Ditto, I've been on like the Jason Adam hype train since last year and... Oof. That, he well, he was just, really I mean, he's one. not himself right now, right? And I mean, I think that's part of... Yeah, he doesn't look like the guy he looked like last year. Yeah, I specifically asked Ross about him after that loss because I thought, you know, a one nothing loss or you have a chance to hit a long ball in the bottom of the ninth. I think that's those, those are things that the Cubs can do, right? The Cubs could have tied that game up and Jason Adam kept them from having any chance in that game. And it's because he doesn't have either of his breaking balls uh, any command whatsoever of those pitches. I, I think ultimately this weekend just told me, and, and this early season series, I, I think the Brewers are a better team. I do. And I think the difference is they have two elite starters, borderline elite, on the rise, whatever you want to call those guys, Burns and Woodruff. The Cubs don't have a guy like that. And I think we talked about this before the season started. When If you want to pick apart, if you want to be an optimist for the Cubs, I think you can be. And there's a lot of things that you can say, hey, look at all these pieces. I think I think I can see them contending ultimately what's going to hold them down and I joked about this when the offense got hot like am I going to be writing in June that this team is just an ace away a you Darvish away from being a really good team I don't think that's the case I don't think that's going to end up being the case I think ultimately this is we ultimately we know this is a fundamentally flawed offense uh I, I think there's a lot of other little things that are going to pop up over the course of the season that'll keep this team down but but it's it's just a funny uh, thought exercise that I went through while watching that offense just dominate for a little bit, and it's like, oh, really? What they're missing is is that you Darvish type at the front. Imagine if you if it was you Darvish these these first few weeks instead of uh, Zach Davies, right? How different could this season start be? I know when you'll be writing it in late June the next time the Cubs play the Brewers, and the Brewers are like five games ahead, and. You know, the trade deadline stuff will be picking up and the Cubs will be kind of hovering and we'll not be sure what to do. And the reason that the Rex brothers and Jace Adam, Jason Adams of the world are getting exposed is because the Cubs starting pitchers go like four and two thirds innings. And like we hail them for that. Like, oh, wow, they kept their team in the game. So, well, there's still like more than half the game. He could have gone left. five. He could have gone five. <laughs> I mean, if the Cubs get to say it's it's baseball or that's just – baseball after one game we could tell baseball comes down to series and if you keep losing series to you know probably the prohibitive favorite in your division that doesn't look good and some of these swing games you know the brewers didn't have christian yelich in there and and i think you do see 
a guy like Woodruff, a guy like Burns that can just really swing series and kind of swing weeks and then months. And, you know, all of a sudden that's why they're at. I do think the Brewers look good in terms of like, you know, Wong and Bradley in center. Like they've really shored up their defense, which it seemed like they just kind of threw random designated hitters out at various (laughs) defensive positions. And they don't seem to do that uh, as much anymore. So they got the defense. They've got two really emerging um, frontline pitchers. They've got a lights-out closer. I guess the news on Yelich was relatively encouraging for them, like no structural damage to his back, whatever. They'll get him uh, apparently back in the lineup relatively soon. So, yeah, I mean, the Brewers are a good team. That's It's not like slamming the Cubs to – point out that they have a lot of things going for them including you know a manager who uh really does do a nice job of kind of pushing the the right buttons to kind of maximize uh that roster year after year and I think it's something that has probably frustrated the Cubs to no end yeah they they have consistently been the antithesis of what we've heard about the Cubs team which is that the sum was less than or yeah the, the sum was less than the Damn it, I messed the whole whole of the parts. Or some, like that. Yeah, some of the parts. Whereas for the Brewers, consistently, the uh, the whole seems to be quite a bit more than the sum of the parts. And what I think uh, another thing you have to take away from these early season series is even if you did land on ah, they're actually pretty close, and there was a coin flip game in the middle, and whatever. Well, but the Brewers did win those series and that matters if that's the team that you wind up chasing in the division well they just baked an extra three wins over you that you didn't and uh that's gonna matter especially as we've talked about a lot that come mid-season I think this is I just I don't have any doubt in my mind whatsoever that if the Cubs are any number of games out like if they aren't leading the division handily I think at this point when you get to late June the plans are going to be set in motion in my view, to, to unload. Because this was a team, it was built to see what happens and then be taken apart. I just think that's what this team is made to be. And and I wouldn't even say that that's bad necessarily, given all that we've talked about, about the decline since 2016. I, I think something like that is necessary. And I don't want to linger on that. We'll, we have lots of time to get into that. Because uh, I do want to touch on one really nice thing from this weekend. Um, in the In the wake of... Jock Peterson's struggles, which who knows to what extent they were related to this issue. He hits the injured list with a wrist issue, um, is working his way back. And in the meantime, rather than bring up another outfielder or Ildemar Vargas, or I mean, the Cubs had options and they decided instead to bring up Nico Horner from the alternate site. And I think that was a mild surprise for folks, particularly those who had bought into the just nonsensical service time stuff in in this case it just didn't it never made sense and it makes even less sense now that they're bringing him up and he looked good he you know you you you, just like with anything you don't take away too much from a few games um but physically i think those of us who followed closely in spring training knew that he physically looked stronger and and more um like a stronger base at the plate uh, he's got that slightly more open stance now. And I don't know, you wrote something um, pretty in-depth on that um, with some great insights from the coaching staff, Zahadev. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a chance to to get into that. But yeah, I just wanted to note that that was... You, I, what I like about it too is 
Horner wasn't being called up to like be a savior of the offense. Like, oh, he's a different style, so they really need him, so he's got to come up before he's ready or whatever. It was just, there's an injury. Okay, fill it in and go from there. Uh, I think that's, if he's going to come up periodically this year, I feel like that's kind of the attitude that needs to come with it because the purpose for this year for him needs to be not being the driving force between a sell-off and the Cubs making the playoffs. It's just do whatever's necessary to put Nico Horner in the best position to be a starter next year. Because clearly with guys departing, he there's a wide open starting spot at some position for him next year. Yeah, I mean, Nico Horner's uh, part of the future for this team, right? I, I think if we start uh, talking about he's the central piece that that the team is going to bin, build around for the next generation of great Cubs, I think I think it gets a little worrisome, right? He's a really nice building block. He's not uh, what you know what Chris Bryant or maybe even Javier Baez at his peak really is, right? He's he should be a nice piece, a complementary piece, maybe like a occasional All Star if all things work out, right? Uh, uh, a, maybe a better Ben Zobrist or something like that. Not I I, I don't a better see Ben Zobrist. Okay, maybe. Uh, Better Ben Zobrist no, in a Cubs can't uniform. Can't take it back now, uh, folks. Not peak Ben Zobrist. <laughs> and our producer Tim is going to make it the 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 title for this podcast. Sahadev Sharma colon Nico Horner will be a better Ben Zobrist, no. and that's going to be the title for this. Oh dear. Uh, I think I I'm, I'm thinking of the most recent uh, vintage of Ben Zobrist, and it's clouding my memories of his of his uh, you know peak. So that's a unfair. I, I shouldn't say better than Ben Zobrist. Thanks for calling me out on that. But uh, uh, no, he's, I mean, the simple, uh, it's, I, I like the little changes that he made. I, I like that the Cubs didn't try and change him dramatically. They never really have. They saw something that they liked in him uh, when he was first drafted, right? They, it was, a, I, I appreciate the whole process with Nico Horner where, uh, a scout, uh, a scout saw him and and kind of fell in love with him. Sam Hughes, that one of their, uh, he now works with the Yankees, but he was a national cross checker for the Cubs, and and saw things that you know stood out to him, including the ability to make make hard contact. What do we have nowadays? We have research and development, uh, you know, departments that that can really like say like here are the numbers to back up what your eyes are seeing, Sam. Sam, a veteran scout, can see that, right? And and now the teams have the numbers to back it up. This guy does hit it hard. He hits it really hard. He puts it on the ground too much. We don't need to completely change who he is as a hitter. As We don't need to completely change his swing, but we think we can make him put the ball in the air more. Okay, that's a slight change that he made uh, in the minors, uh, his short time in the minors, and now he's he's made another slight change. And it's just, I mean, I, the images, you can see it. It's, it's pretty clear that he's a little more open, but it's also not something that is a huge change to his swing. I have to imagine if if you're making significant mechanical changes or really altering your swing, that's a much different thing than kind of switching where you up are in the box, right? Like just kind of opening up a little bit more. And, and if your swing is mostly staying the same, which was the point of this, his swing, they like the characteristics of his swing right now. So they want to keep that going. It was just he was getting kind of beat inside. He wasn't able to really attack the, those pitches and any pitch really – uh, that he wanted to, and, and now he's able to do that. I, I'm curious to see how it plays out at the major league level. I want to see if he can really fight for a spot and 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 stay up here for the rest of the season. If he's if he's hitting really well and Jock is healthy and comes back, what does that mean 
for uh, the Cubs the rest of this season. I like how they're using – I like how Ross isn't afraid to just stick Chris Bryant out in the outfield every day. He's like, this is my best lineup right now. Uh, get Nico in there at second base, put Chris in one of those outfield corner spots – and you know if Bodie plays fine I mean I just I just appreciate the willingness to kind of shake things up and and get Nico in there every day because he needs to play every day maybe a day off here and there but I mean Bryant obviously needs to play every day they're committed to trying to see what Bodie is as an everyday player so we're in this transition phase for the Cubs and and I appreciate how uh, you know they're not they're not trying to suppress the service time at least the, it, you know for now with Nico Horner and even though I know there's plenty of uh, reasons why that doesn't make sense uh, it, and we've talked about it in the past I don't I just don't think you're ever going to convince certain fans that that's something that's going on even if it's if it's 30th on the list of reasons it's one of the reasons right it's a benefit for a team and and fans are going to point to that and say, well, I know there's X, Y, and Z, but this reason exists, thus that's a primary reason. And it's it, the teams just haven't gained the benefit of the doubt there. They've done too many nefarious acts for fans to trust them, and I don't blame them. I, I don't think this is one of those situations, but I also am not going to spend my days arguing with fans who believe it is. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm picturing in the Cubs front office a sign that says like X number of days since our last service time grievance because they seem to think that just because like our only homegrown MVP uh, player, you know, in in this generation had a service time. grievance. Other than that, we haven't had, you know, NJ Garrietta and Addison Russell, you know, those didn't rise to the level of grievance. But yeah, I mean, they have zero credibility on this issue, though. I do happen to believe what you guys are saying that it wasn't the... uh, primary driver here it is just a lot more fun to uh kind of call them out on something like that that still has echoes obviously with uh chris bryant's uh last year here and and i think with nico as you were talking to it reminded me of our colleague john greenberg who always pulls out random pieces of cubs uh paraphernalia and trivia and i just hope nico horner doesn't get locked into one of those three C's type moments when the Cubs were hyping Tyler Colvin, Andrew Kashner and Starlin Castro as this like next generation. And it didn't quite work out. They were caught in between trying to win one for Tribune tower at the end of the Sam Zell era. And before Theo took over and got things rolling. And, and I do think Nico is an air quotes, like winning type, 
player. He does bring a lot of those contact skills that are harder to find. He's a great defender. We saw that pop up that he let drop uh, on Sunday. And it would be really fun to see him and Javi just play defense up the middle for the next, whatever, six, seven years. Um, But I do think Nico is going to be the one kind of wearing this, like, next great Cubs team and maybe just a really nice player on a good team instead of, like, this face of the franchise that he's inevitably going to be kind of foisted upon him because he's a smart guy, he's he's a good talker, he's got a really good head on his shoulders, um, it's just really hard to, to, to be that guy. And we've seen that even, you know, on players who have done that before, how hard it is to do it every single year. And I think it'd be interesting kind of what happens with Nico will probably say a lot about what happens to the Cubs in this next window here. Well, and it's not like he's part of a wave of position players that are going to be stepping forward right now. I mean, he's kind of on an island in terms of the chronology of, of when the the next truly impactful positional prospects are going to come forward because most of the Cubs, they do have a, they really do. I mean, it, it feels like such a homery thing to say, but they really do have an outstanding collection of position prospects now, probably the best group that they've had in several years, but they're all super young. And so that means they come with a lot less certainty and a lot more time and distance before we would see them. So Nico is kind of the guy right now. Um, also Mooney, I got to, I got to, you know, push back a little bit. You know, you, you, offered up the, the three C's as, as a failing on the Cubs. But I would note for you, Andrew Kashner turned into Anthony Rizzo, world champion. Sure. Starlin Castro, his departure was necessary to bring in Ben Zobrist, you'll recall, World Series champion. And, of course, Tyler Colvin was sent to the Rockies for, <laughs> oh, Ian Stewart. That, you know. ah, but DJ LeMahieu was included in that trade. And he has had tremendous success since then. So clearly, somehow, by some reverse voodoo there, that, that makes it uh, very successful. Um, no, but I think um, the interesting thing that I've got, just that I'm observing with Nico, is he, in a lot of ways, or at least in the minds of some Cubs fans, speaking of Starlin Castro, he falls into that mold of an Albert Amora, Starlin Castro type, touted for that high contact line drive ability, and then it's like, oh, and we can just get a little more elevation, take that next step forward, and then it's like a really quality big league bat. And, you know, as we saw with Starling Castro, it just didn't take, you know, it, it, that wasn't, it, it wasn't an optimized approach for him personally. Uh, as we saw with Albert Almora, um, the, the soft contact just never went away. He just was never able to get over that hurdle of, um, working at bats in such a way that he could maximize his opportunity to make hard contact because he just had played for so long and had so much success just simply uh, with that tremendous bat-to-ball skill. And I think anytime now, I just think it's going to be a while for Cubs fans when a high-quality bat-to-ball guy comes up, particularly one like Nico, who last year he did make just so much poor quality contact. Um, I think there's going to be that flinching inside of like, oh, I don't know. But then again, how fair is that? Because if a guy comes up who's a high strikeout, big power guy, we're going to have the same reaction of like, oh, another one of these types. So, you know, that's what I think about. It's like, can the Cubs massage one of these young guys coming up either, you know, in one direction or the other to really, you know, optimize that performance? So that's why your piece, Sahadev, I really liked because it was like, 
It's not a fundamental overhaul. It's not even an approach change. It's just a couple little minor uh, changes to the setup and the swing um, that should allow him to just continue making that hard contact, but maybe not so much on the ground. Yeah, well, and I mean, it's a completely different. Uh, all three of those players that you mentioned, there were three players there, right? Almora, Nico, and and Starlet. I mean, we're talking about three different player development tracks as well, too, right? So I know we we, we kind of lump it all as the Cubs, and there and there is something to that in a sense, but uh, but these are completely different coaching staffs and and uh, philosophies and everything that's going on. You'd like to hope that the Cubs have figured some things out and, and have these things in the in the right direction. If they don't, I mean, we're, we're going to find out quickly, right? They've made a lot of changes. We have a minor league season coming up. We're going to find out over the next five months how, how things look, uh, what sort of progress they've made. I think that's, that's part of what's uh, going to become the most uh, focused on part of this season, right? You talk about uh, not much coming, not many position players coming up to help Nico in the near future. I guess we'll find out, right? How, what type of fast track are any of these guys on? Like, should we be talking about uh, Chase Strumpf or or something like that, right? Uh, I, I just just throwing out a name. How close are these guys? How 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 long is it going to be before there's Can other say, other players to help I, out Nico? We super need Chase Strumpf to become a big leaguer because then we can be like. Oh, and there's a thump from Strumpf. I mean, I think about this stuff. I'm, I'm like ahead of the curve in terms of like, all right, what corny, stupid ass thing can I say when something happens? <clears throat> and I've already, dude, he was, when he was drafted, I'm like, oh, I'm ready. I'm you ready. already, <laughs> you're I got the planning tweets it out saved. when, they, when they're, they're drafted. Dra- okay. Yes, the tweets are saved this in drafts. You know, I'm ready for the Strumpf thump. <laughs> Well, we'll have to we'll have to hear uh, the rest of. I, I'm very curious what you have for uh, Ed Howard, Brennan Davis, Ryan Jensen. What, what, like when he strikes out a guy, you got a tweet saved already in draft for Ryan Jensen's first major league strikeout. Yeah, workshopping it, you know, something about <laughs> okay. like the Jetsons and space and like flying fast, and you know, it's. Okay. I gotta, I gotta, right. I gotta put the finishing touches on that one. You know, Timely pop culture reference. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, there was probably a remake at some point, right? Or yeah, there will true, be one, true. or you know. Uh, all right. I mean, let's 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 park it there on a, on a positive note. Um, I think that uh, definitely one of the more compelling storylines now uh, over the next week is what happens, like Sahadev said. And, like we've been talking about as Jock Peterson works his way back, what happens, you know, and because it also pairs well from a timeline perspective with the minor league season starting. It's, it's kind of looking like, and I, 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 I wonder to what extent this played into the decision to have Nico come up as the replacement for Jock right now, because, you know, you could have him come up, play, get him the experience that you want. And then the minor league season starts right around the same time that Jock Peterson comes back. And then you would have a an opportunity to say, okay, we're going to keep Nico up because he's playing every day. Or, you know what, we're going to send him to AAA, a level he's still never played at, by the way, uh, to start every day because the timing works out. I think that's going to be interesting to see. But, you know, everybody, including the Cubs, are open to the possibility that if Horner is drawing starts right now, if he looks capable, if he's playing so well, it's like I don't I don't think they're just going to flip that switch off if if he's looking great for the next week plus. 
So that's that's a big thing to be following this week. Um, the Cubs will be playing the Braves this week. Uh, a lot of good pitching once again. And, uh, you know, eventually the bats are going to have to hit some good pitching. So we will be back at you later this week, most of the way through that series. Uh, this is On to Waveland. I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Munich. Get their stuff at The Athletic. And as always, get our podcast wherever you get your podcast. But you can listen to the app. If you listen to the app, uh, well, I guess you won't get my fantastic ad reads in the app, but maybe you don't want to hear those because maybe they aren't so great to you. Uh, and we always love hearing from you. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Take care.